women trust that Jesus is enough to meet every need and satisfy every heart. Praying you will be encouraged and strengthened through this message from the Discipleship Summit. Well, if you will open up your Bibles to Isaiah, we are going to look at this morning um, a bit of what our Jesus does as we abide in him and he in us. We're going to look at Isaiah 61. We're going to start here. Isaiah 61. I'm going to wait until you get there. I still hear some pages flipping, and I don't want you to miss it. It is so good. And you remember, I'll give you just a little context of what we're reading. You remember, I'm going to insert where, um, this is the prophet Isaiah writing, but you'll remember, and we're going to go here in a little bit, that in the book of Luke, Jesus reads this as a fulfillment of who he is as, as our Messiah. So when, this, when I read that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, I'm going to say Jesus because Isaiah is prophesying. He's talking about Jesus. So Isaiah 61, 1. The spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. For the Lord has anointed Jesus to bring good news to the poor. He has sent Jesus to comfort the brokenhearted to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent Jesus to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, to all who mourn at the inn at Amishdor. He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Now, if you will turn over to Luke 44, you can leave your finger in Isaiah if you'd like, or head over to Luke 4, verse 18. Luke 4. synagogue on the Sabbath. I love it. Kind of an ordinary day, but meeting in a, a, a group of people, godly people. He goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up and read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see that the, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, 
handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. And is that not our posture this morning? We're looking at Jesus intently. Jesus says in verse 21, Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Let's pray for him. Jesus. Father, we thank you so much that you see us. We thank you that you, we are not just a stick on the side of the road. We thank you that we are your beloved child. We are your beloved daughter. Whether we are beat up and broken or, and dry, whether we are vibrant and life-giving, whatever state we come in, in all of our states that may not be one or the other, but somewhere in between and everything, Jesus, we come. And this morning, our eyes are looking intently upon you. And we ask in your goodness and in your mercy, in your, um, that all of who you are would come and sit next to each one of us. And just like Shauna shared, like we are each all different. So will you speak your words of life to me this morning? Would you speak your words of life to each one of us in each one of the places that each one needs to hear? We welcome you to come, Lord Jesus. And in, um, would you strengthen our hearts to see the places where we may be captive and not even know it? Would you strengthen us? Would you give us the grace to see where we might be blind and not know it? Where we may need, um, where we're broken, where we're grieving? Sometimes we don't want to look at those places, Jesus, and we're going so hard to keep it so covered up. Would you, in your mercy, just show each one what we each one can handle for today, what you want for each one today? And we'll give you all the praise and all of the glory we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, it's been a little while since I've been here. Some of you I'm getting the privilege to meet for the first time, and um, for some of us it's been about eight years <laughs> since we've, we've been here. And since then, many of you um, have, have been praying for me, and I'm so grateful. I have a precious, um, when I first, eight years ago actually, I, um, it was just weeks after a miscarriage. So my heart was raw, my body was tender, um, and, and this place has always been a place of healing and life for me. This place was where I found Jesus to be enough for me um, at, at a summit. And then years later, came back and knew his enoughness in those times of grieving and sorrow. And, and um, come back with a, today in a different place that I'll get to share with you about as Jesus has been working in my life. I leave home a, a, a lovely husband of almost 18 years and a seven-year-old daughter named Cloda and a four-and-a-half-year-old, Phineas, and they, they called me this morning and left a little message to say they're praying, so, <laughs> so I'm grateful for his, his goodness to us. I, I do just have the joy of being a part of Titus Women, and I'm really grateful. This is, um, yeah, I'm grateful for you. <laughs> um, so this, these scriptures have been very, very meaningful to me in the past, um, oh, Eight years. <laughs> uh, yeah, just what Jesus has been doing in my life. You know, um, 
at each new place, I was kind of thinking with Jesus back to my life story, and in each place where I was able to give him all of me, where he was asking, there's a new season, right? So when I first was able to come to Jesus as a girl, I was able to give him what I knew. Jesus, I want you to be my savior. As, a, as an older girl, Jesus, I want to give you, I want to give you all of me, which meant that we, like whatever my future has. And then as a, as a young adult, again, Jesus, all of me for all of you, whatever, there was new places of surrender, new places of, of welcoming his presence in and his life in. And so I found myself in this season with children, <laughs> um, God's goodness to me to allow some ways in which I, I um, had built my life that were not from him. They had, well, they had just gotten me to a place so far and that my life was going to develop part, to be honest. I, I didn't know how to care for myself. I didn't know how to care for children. I didn't know how to be a part of ministry and care for the women in ministry. I didn't know how to do life. And what Jesus showed me was, there's more. That he has more for me. More healing. More freedom. More life. More joy. More exchange. <laughs> I didn't know um, some of the, the broken places that were still underneath. What I love about the context of Luke 4, when Jesus comes, is you, you'll, you'll remember the context is that Jesus has just, um, in, he, in, before he's filled with the Spirit, you'll remember that is when he's baptized by John the Baptist, he has the first audible voice that we, God says, this is my beloved son. He hadn't done one piece of ministry, hadn't performed one miracle. He, the first thing that he heard, that audibly that we all heard was, he was God's beloved. And then Jesus leads him, or the Father, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. And he overcomes for you and for me. And then the next very thing, he goes, and that is to his hometown, where he is rejected. And Jesus um, has sweetly been showing me some of my fears around that and where that comes from. And this, well, then the next part, we read this about his anointing, who Jesus is. And then we see in the next parts, um, if there's any bit of you that's thinking today, this, whatever is going on, may be fine for these women, these churchy women, these, these, but it's not for me, right? Like Sean said, they knew my story. I don't come from, you might be thinking, I don't come from this background. I don't come from this pedigree. I don't have this heritage or this history. And the very first thing Jesus says after he has announced that he is the promised Messiah, he announces, we'll pick up in verse 20, um, when we just read that, excuse me, at verse 22, everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? I don't know about you, but anytime I say yes to Jesus, it feels like there's like there's a, there can be this attack or pushback or criticism, even from God's people. Wait, what are you doing? You're doing what with Jesus? You think, you know. <laughs> Verse 23. Then he said, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly, now this is where we see this beautiful piece, certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time. Okay, if I could just pause for a moment. You have to remember that Jesus is in the synagogue. 
He is talking to God's chosen people. And you'll remember that God's beautiful redemption of love, his beautiful love story, is to say, I'm going to choose a small group of people, the least of these people in the whole entire world, and I'm going to make them my own. And I'm going to come and live in them, and I'm going to make them my own, and I'm going to show the world how good I am as God, and that I can purify a people and come and live in them and they in me. And then the world will know how good I am. And then the world will want me. But sometimes, as we have seen in the lives of the Pharisees, they have forgotten that they were the least of these. <laughs> and they have thought, we are God's chosen people. <laughs> we are the ones that he has chosen. We are the elite. We are God's people. And Jesus says, here we are again, excuse me, verse 25. Surely there are many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time. When the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was instead sent to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. So not to one of God's, God went right to somebody outside of his chosen people and said, here I am. I'm going to make myself known to you. And that widow, you have to read her story, it's beautiful. She, gave, she just was all his. And God moved heaven and earth for her. In verse 27, and many in Israel had leprosy, so many of God's people had leprosy in the time of the prophet Elisha, but only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. And some people think, it was, you know, the scholars say that it's not that the people in Israel were, it's not that God didn't heal them, it's that they didn't even bother to ask him. It's not that there weren't other widows that were starving in a famine, it's that they never bothered to ask God for help. But you've got a woman outside of God's people and a man outside of like the people of church people who were desperate for God and who came and who, who, who just left everything, whatever the world said, and said, I want the living God. And so today, as we hear these beautiful words of Jesus, that he comes to us, I pray that we will not care about what our families think. We will not care about what the people um, around us think, about our colleagues think. There will be this I, the sense of, I want Jesus, and I want what he wants to do for me more than anything in the world. So, um, yeah. <laughs> One of the things that Jesus um, has been showing me is some of the um, wounded places in my life. Not to be mean or cruel, but just so that he can bring his healing. And the reality is, is that each one of us has wounded places. We all know Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We know that. And we also know, and we can see in the garden, that when sin entered the world, part of our sinful nature is that is this is a sense of brokenness, um, a lack of wholeness or completeness. And we see that, that when, when Adam and Eve were walking with God, and when they disobeyed, and when they ate the fruit, there was, a, there was an immediate break right? There was a break of their relationship. These two that had walked naked and unashamed, walked with God, then now God is saying, Adam, Adam, where are you? There's a breach. And then we've got Adam saying, well, Eve made me do it. And Eve is saying, well, the servant made me do it. There is a breach in relationship. And then, you, where are you? We're hiding. Because now all of a sudden, we know evil, and we were never intended to know evil. And all of a sudden, now we feel shame. We are bad. 
And then Shauna told us we were never intended to feel that shame. We were intended to still bear his image. So we are actually even broken, even within ourselves. And Jesus, in his redemption on the cross, comes to restore us to the Father. He comes to restore us to each other. And he comes to make us whole so that we become the women, the people that God has created us to be. So now, what does that look like? <laughs> now, have you, those of you who wear glasses, I have my contacts on this morning. Um, you know, when you go to the eye doctors, they, you, you kind of sit with the, the circular things in front, and they're trying to see which vision is best, and they go, click, click, click. Is that blurry or clear? Blurry. Click, click. Blurry or clear? Blurry. Clear, clear. <laughs> oh, clear. It's getting better. Like, click, click. You know, so that's, and so each one of us actually, because of this brokenness, is born with click, click, blurry. Every single one of us, even when we invite Jesus to come into our hearts, there is, he becomes the savior of our hearts, and we welcome him to be the Lord of our lives, and as he becomes the Lord of our lives, as we say, Jesus, I want all of you for all of me, as he lives in us, and as we abide in him and he in us, he begins to say, quick, 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 clear. But we have to allow him, we have to be honest about the blurry. We have to be honest about the blurry, and to say, God, I, I may be blurry, can you show me where I am? <laughs> Can you show me where I'm blurry? And some of that for us comes um, just from life. From, from some of us comes from just how, because we have each been born with blurry, each one of us is going to interpret incorrectly our lives. We have to make meaning out of our lives. We have to make sense out of our lives. That is who God has made us to be. But we have this quick, quick blurry that we make sense out of it. So, um, so we have actually a broken view of God, a broken view of each other, a broken view of ourselves. And um, one of the things that Jesus has been showing me is one of the, the broken views of myself. <laughs> and I, it's hard for me sometimes. I don't know about you, but it's sometimes hard for me to receive love. It's just tough. I would rather love you. I would rather tell you that Jesus loves you. But to receive it from me, it's a little can be a little tricky. One of the things that I, as I've been learning and studying and reading, one of the things that they are, that um, that smarter people than I are saying <laughs> is that the basic human need in every human heart is to be the sparkle in someone's eye. That is the basic need of every human heart. Let me say it again. Let me say it loud. The basic human need. These are not Christian people saying this even. These, this is, so it's ingrained in us. The basic human need is to be the sparkle in someone else's eye. We were meant to be loved and to receive love. So I, want, I just want to play that that framework. We're going to come back to it in a moment. One of the ways in which, because I want you to hear that as the framework, I want to do a new little, Jesus wants to do a thing for us, right? Click, click, clear. You, this morning, are loved. Deeply, intimately, fully, and completely by your Heavenly Father, by His Son, Jesus, and by the Holy Spirit, 
for you, just for who you are. Not for what you can do, not for what you can produce, just for you. So hear that. Sometimes what we often do, just by nature with God, with other people, and when we are born, <laughs> the first thing we do is bond with the people who love us, right? Sometimes that is a healthy bond, and sometimes that's not. And sometimes it's both, and sometimes it's all because no matter how glorious the love, no matter how glorious or unglorious the people were that raised us, none of us are without fault. <laughs> Even if we're, you know, none of us, there's going to be hurt and brokenness and woundedness. So sometimes we have a bond that can become out of fear. We can, you can think of your loved ones or the ones that, that took care of you or tried to, tried to take care of you the best that they could. Sometimes that be, there becomes a fear-based bond that says, I've got to perform, I've got that, that everything becomes out of fear, a fear of abandonment, a fear of performance, a fear of rejection, a fear of, so every motivation becomes out of fear. I need to stay connected with you to survive, but out of fear. Then there's also a bond of love which is secure and safe, where you are able to be yourself, where you are loved and cherished, where you are wanted, celebrated over, where you are the sparkle in that person's eye. There's a different motivation. It becomes a motivation to, you become alive with those people. Think of in your heart and mind some of those people that you just love being with, where you were just like, I am free, I am myself, I am loved and cherished. Think of that, what that feels like and, and is. That is. That's where you bond with that person had over love. And sometimes we take those, how we've learned to just connect with people and translate that to God. And so, so, we, so sometimes we, we, we know in our minds, we know in our minds that we are good, that God is good. We know in our minds that he loves us. We know in our heads, this is where I was, that he wants the best for us. But how we actually live and function out of the core part of who we are, is it out of, and this isn't, now hear me, this isn't to condemn, we're just being curious, right? We're just kind of looking. Now let's see, this is not about condemnation, this is not about performance, this is not about judgment. We're just going to be curious with God. How do we relate to him? Is he someone safe for us? Or do, is, do we feel a sense of, of, of not healthy fear, but of dread and of I can't and he's, uh, I, don't, I can't trust him. Who is God? What, where might it be blurry still? And who God is your heavenly father, who God is, who Jesus is to you? Because today he wants to make it all at once sometimes we grow as we are abiding it is not you don't have a, a full you don't go from nothing to a full-blown fruit right there's this there's a beautiful growth but there's a choice to abide and as we choose to abide as there is as we give all of ourselves to him he is going to grow us and mature us and and develop us so I want you to hear today um, that you are the sparkle no matter what no matter what your uh, original family was like, doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter, and yet, 
Jesus wants to come to those places too. And because you are, what he has been teaching me is, I am adopted. I am now grafted in to his family, to his nature, to his characteristics, to his life. He can undo the places where there has been fear or hurt or pain and come with his life, his good news, his freedom in our thoughts and in our hearts and in our minds. He can come to places where we feel oppressed and, and, and set us free. And so, what does that actually look like? <laughs> How does that actually unfold to Abbot to let him um, bring his healing to our lives? Because as we learned in John 10.10, 10, you'll remember, Jesus says, I have come, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus says, I have come to bring and bring it yeah lots and lots of life that's what Jesus wants for us that's what he has for us there is not even a sense of um, um, again it's not just for a few small elite or maybe one day I will be whole he longs to bring his wholeness to us his intention as Linda mentioned yesterday his intention for us is to be holy and whole and it's throughout all of Scripture just get my references here. Beth mentioned the word tamim yesterday. It's the Hebrew word for um, for blameless. And the Latin words, they're just like, they're so much bigger than what we can nail down in just one little. But tamim actually means whole or complete. And it's what God said to Abraham when he called Abraham out to be his own. He said, Abraham, walk before me and be Tamim, be blameless, be complete, be whole. And the only way we can be whole or complete is when we walk before him with his face in our face so that we can see his eye and the sparkle that we are in his eye. Now, I thought to myself, um, and it's not just in the Old Testament, there is a sense of wholeness that we see when Jesus heals. You'll remember in Mark 5 when Jesus um, heals the woman with the issue of blood. Um, she, she is so brave. She's been bleeding for 12 years, you'll remember. And uh, I'm just going to turn here so I can read it to you and you can see the word coming by. So Jesus is being pressed in by all these people, right? All this crowd around him, everyone's touching him. And this woman in the crowd has suffered for 12 years of constant beating. She has suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she'd spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? The disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? 
but he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her. I can just pause for a moment. Say, sometimes it's okay to come to Jesus trembling. So she comes, she falls at his knees in front of him, and she told him what she had done. Another version says, she told him the truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the Greek word for that is actually like saved. It's used in multiple contexts. Saved, healed, made whole. There is this, okay, we're going to keep reading. Good, good, exciting. Um, I lost my place now. Yeah, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Can I read that for us one more time? She comes and falls in front of him and tells him the truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. So that when Jesus comes, that Greek word is used for save. It is used for healing. It is, it is to be kept the the. If you go deeper in the word, if you get the Strong's Concordance app on your phone, you can look up all the meanings of these words. It is the richest thing I have done. And it, the Greek word says to keep sound and safe. So that when Jesus saves us, he comes to keep us sound, to make us sound in our minds, in our bodies. He comes to make us safe. So now... Um, what do we do with the wounded places? <laughs> we can bring them to Jesus. And what he has been showing me, and what, how it has been very helpful and practical to me, is there, I've been able to, um, he's just led me to ask him through some books and resources. He, let me just tell you that when you say Jesus, I want you to make me well, I want you to make me whole, he will lead you. He will lead you to resources. He will lead you to people. He will lead you to himself. He will lead you into his word. If you will just say, Jesus, lead, I want to abide in you, and I want you to abide in me, and would you make me well? He will lead you. And one of the ways in which he has been leading me, which might look very different from the ways he's, he's led you, but one of the ways in which he has led me is to, to allow him to um, just show him a lie that I might be believing. Because one of the ways that we see blurry yeah. is that the enemy comes with lies, right? That's what we just said. He, is, he comes as, he is the liar. That is his job. And sometimes for me, I can get licked around where the lies I feel like are truth, and sometimes it's been so long that we've lived with them that they feel true, yeah. even if they're not. And we need Jesus to come and to speak his truth to us, and to show us even where we have been living and functioning out of lies. So, um, and you can hear Shauna shared some of those with us, right? Some of those lies that we that we live and, and function out of. And sometimes the, then the lies can elicit all kinds of emotions, fears, 
depression, anxiety. Um, so we can ask Jesus to come and to bring his truth, to, to expose the lie. And then what we can do in those moments is to say, with Jesus' help, say, I resist that lie in the name of Jesus. I no longer believe that Now here's the other interesting thing. Lies are sometimes just lies. And that's what the enemy does, is just bring them, and we need to resist them, and let Jesus tell us his truth, and live out of that place of truth. Because what we what Linda read last night is, the Holy Spirit comes and he leads us into all truth. And so the Holy Spirit will come and speak his truth to you where you need it, and where I need it. What the enemy loves, and we saw in, the, in Genesis is to come and speak lies and doubt God's goodness and, and whisper and get us to doubt and deceive us. And, but what the enemy loves to prey on, sometimes don't you think it's just wise to be a little bit tactical about what his, we don't need to know the enemy at all, but it's good to know his tactics so we can, um, he loves to prey on our wounds. So it might be that you say, now Jesus, okay, here's the lie. Now, will you show me where that where that wound comes from. Because if we don't allow Jesus to heal the wound, the lie that's connected to it, he can replace the lie with the truth, but it's like it almost doesn't, you know, it's, it stays in our head. It doesn't stick. Because then the end of that wound is still there and still open, and then the enemy can come with another lie that will stick into that wound. So we can say to Jesus, you know, Jesus, will you show me where that, that wound is? And then... And then you can welcome his, will you heal me? <laughs> Just will you heal me? And do you know what? He, he can actually come to those wounded places in your heart, and he can actually bring his healing to them. Can I tell you a little example? <laughs> so as, um, you know, nowadays we have all kinds of, helps his parents. There's all kinds of, there's too many books to read and too many podcasts to listen to and too many Facebook. You know, I just like, ah! I'm really grateful that we can abide and Jesus can just help us and lead us to what we need. But you remember, like, if you think of a generation before us, there was James Dobson. <laughs> Bless him, that was it! There was nothing! So thank you to all of you saints who have gone before us and have taken such good care of us with love for love of Jesus. Well, my mama, just wanting to do the very best thing that she could, it's like, okay, my little girl's probably three, we're going to get a sticker chart, she needs to come when she's called, she'll get a sticker, she needs to tidy up her room, she needs to get a sticker, she needs to, these are the things that she needs to obey, and then she will get little happy face stickers. Yay, right? <laughs> Woohoo! Except, not, I mean, I'm three. I am a little girl, I've always been a little girl that wants to please. I just want to please whoever it is that's with me. So as a little pleaser, I think, oh yeah, I get a sticker if I do all these things. And, the, and God has showed me, and that's when the enemy moved in. Or that's when my wound, my, my, not my cloudy, my blurry, says, okay, so that must mean that in order to be loved, in order to be cherished, in order to be accepted, I've got to perform. What if I don't perform? Well, we all go to McDonald's. <laughs> And do you 
Lord's showing me, click, click. Revelation 21, John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. All who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then, one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And that is you and me today. That is his church. We are, we are, he refers to us all throughout scripture in the end as his bride. 
I am going to pray with for us. And Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Will you come with us now? We invite you. You are already actually there waiting for us. In our room. In this spot. By the pool. In the hallway. You are already there. Just as we sang about. You're writing to us with your goodness. And so, we come. We love you. We want to trust you more. So will you come? We ask it. In Jesus' name. Help us to see clearly. Help us to see clearly. Come with your life. In Jesus' name. Amen.